I am so excited to see you today right here at our Banks Mill campus, as well as those, as well as those of you who are joining us at our West Campus, at our Ridge, in Pennsylvania, and wherever around the world you are. We are glad that you are here today. And I am Danny Wilson, the campus pastor here at our Banks Mill location. And just in case this might be your first Sunday here, we are very blessed here to be a multi-site church. And so again, we have locations. We have locations in several different places, and I just have the privilege and the uh, the privilege and the um, gift, maybe the word I'm looking for, of serving right here at our Banks Mill campus. So um, that's a little bit about who I am. Just thrilled to be here today. Appreciate so much our senior pastor, Philip, from time to time, giving campus pastors and other staff members an opportunity to speak and to share. And today I have the privilege of being able to wrap up our Faith with Benefits series coming out of the book of Galatians in the New Testament of God's Word. And so I'm really, really excited about that, but I will tell you this. A lot of times at this point, I would try to give you a real quick summary of everything that's happened over these last five weeks, but there's so much going on in the book of Galatians, and I feel like the best way and the best thing I could have you do, not to mention I'm a little selfish with my time today, is to have you go to our website, www.cedarcreekchurch.net, and when you get there, you will find all of the messages in this series. So maybe instead of Netflix binging this week on some movie or something like that, you could do it on sermons from Cedar Creek Church. Now, wouldn't that be cool? But we'd love for you to go back and look at those. There's just been so much packed in these verses. Um, as each week we've been able to share about that and we challenge you just to continue to pursue your study of God's Word in the book of Galatians. But that's definitely a great place to start. So all of that to say, I'm ready to get going, and I'm ready to get started. And so if you'll look at your card real quickly today, we're going to be looking at characteristics of community. So what we're going to be looking at is we're going to be looking at some qualities or traits of, a, of an individual or a group as it relates to some topic for us today. It's on community. So that's where we're going today. A couple things you will notice. First of all, what we're going to talk about today, this very first point on your card, is that today's message is applicable both personally and corporately. What do I mean by that? There are things you're going to walk away with today that apply to you, but there's also truths you're going to walk away with today that apply to the corporate body, okay, and to your home group ultimately here at Cedar Creek Church. Now, a little piece of trivia for you. Where is the best place at Cedar Creek Church for you to experience authentic community? Could someone tell me? Home group. I heard several people answer that, so thank you very much. That is going to be your very best place to experience true, authentic community here at our church. And one of the things I want to tell you is this. Um, some of you may come in the door on Sunday, and you come to worship, and then you go home. And I want you to know, we are so thrilled that you are here and that you do that. There may be some others of you that you come here, you come to church, and you even serve. And I'll tell you this, man, we are glad that you serve. We are so thrilled that you are here. But I've got to be really transparent with you today and tell you this. If you're not involved in an authentic community group, home groups for us, then I will just tell you this. There's a void in your life that you may not even know is there. And how do I know that? Because oftentimes when we see people here at church go through struggles, difficulties, crisis, just those hard times that life throws at us, and they're not connected to a home group, oftentimes those people feel like they're on an island, and they feel like, I really don't have anybody that I've invested in that's invested in me, and there's just an emptiness and a void there. 
And one of the things I'll tell you is home groups are vital in helping with that. They're vital in helping you grow in your relationship with the Lord. So as we go through today, you're going to hear me talk about home groups a lot because all I can tell you is we see people connected to home groups that are experiencing life transformation. And I want you to be a part of that, and I want you to get in on that. So as we talk today, listen for what God might want to say to you personally, but I would also challenge you to listen for what he might be saying to you as a next step in home group, or if you're already in home group, just to listen and explore, hey, does my home group have some of these characteristics we're talking about today? So with that being said, I'm going to go ahead and dive right in. We're going to move along. I'm not going to keep you here all afternoon, so we're going to move kind of quickly. But let's start off with number one. The first characteristic of community that we're going to see in Galatians chapter 6 is that of restoration. An authentic community is going to be about restoration. Listen to what Galatians chapter 6 verse 1 says. Here are our dear brothers and sisters. If any believer is overcome by some sin... You who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Wow, what powerful words from Paul this morning. And what he's basically saying is that as you and I, as believers in Jesus Christ, go through life, and we're doing life with other people, with our home group, we're an authentic community, that there are going to be times that things come up, that things happen, and we find out that somebody we're close to in that home group is struggling with something. The word overcome, interestingly, has a whole element of surprise to it. So this isn't somebody who's intentionally sinning, who knows they're outside of God's will. This is just somebody who's going through life and something begins to creep into their life. And so what the Apostle Paul tells us is when that happens, we have a responsibility to go to that person and to gently and humbly, God's word says, help get them back on the right path, to get them back where God wants them to be. And this is not easy to do, and it's a challenge. And I understand that. We're going to talk about that a little bit more in a minute. But then he also has a warning here, and he says, as you're doing that, be careful that you don't get pulled into that same sin. So one of the things I want to do for just a second is just talk about community. And what it is, it's when you and I know other people and we know them well. We know the good things, the bad things, the struggles. We know the great things that are happening in their life. We know warts and all what is going on in their life. Because we've been pouring into each other in this thing called home group. For this to happen, for that kind of community to happen, a couple of things have to happen. One is a person has to be, be in a place that they want to be known. Well, a lot of people can come in the door, and if they don't want to reach out to us and they don't want to be part of a home group, we don't force that. We can't make somebody do that. So somebody has to want to be known. And then the other thing, the groups have to want to know people. They have to want to care. They have to want to get to know that person on a deeper level. And that's what our home groups are about. We want people to come in. We want to get to know them. We want to pour into them. We want them to pour into the home group. So this is kind of, I mean, it, it, this is a both. Um, a, a person and the group both have to be committed to making that work and that authentic, uh, that authentic community happen. So basically what I'm trying to tell you today is that in community, we come alongside each other. We connect with each other. We connect with God. And as we go through life, sometimes we see people that just struggle. They're having difficulties. Priorities are getting out of order. And we have a responsibility as a, as a group to reach out to love and to help those people get back on the right path whenever that happens. 
So what I'm saying is, maybe you are cruising through life in your home group and you realize all of a sudden, you know what, this particular individual, we're starting to notice there's just bitterness in what they say, in their relationships. We would have a responsibility to go to that person and sit down and say, hey, we love you, we care about you, but we've noticed something going on in your life. Tell us what's going on. How can we pray for you? Now, what are you experiencing right now? But we walk alongside them, maybe as they deal with bitterness, or maybe they're caught up in a habit that we've noticed. And so I think God's word again is calling us to come alongside them, find out what's going on, prayerfully help them get back on that right path. Maybe it's something in a relationship. You can just kind of fill in the blank, but we're going to go through those seasons where our priorities get out of order and where from time to time things seem to creep into our life that we may not be aware of, that we need people to help get us back in the direction that we need to go. One of the most important things we need to understand as we, as we look at these verses, though, yes, community is about restoration, but we have to be very, very careful that when we're going to someone with this whole passion and desire to see them being restored, that we go to them where we need to be spiritually. And a key part of that is that we have prayed before, that we're praying during, that we're praying afterwards as we go into this encounter. Because it can be, if it's not done with the right heart, it's not being done by God's leading and God preparing that person's heart, can be very, very detrimental. So it's important that we prepare ourselves to go into this. Even so much so that Paul would say in these verses, be careful that you don't fall into the same temptation. He warns us that as we reach out to these people and we try to invest in them and we pour into them and we try to help get them to where they need to be, back on that right path with God, that there's, there could be a tendency for us to get pulled into that same thing that they're doing, either through talking to them more and more, finding out more about it, becoming more sympathetic to them and not following and not going after God's Word and helping them understand God's Word. could be a number of things that would draw us in, but we've got to be careful not to get pulled in. Let me illustrate for you just a minute the importance of this. How many of you have flown before? If you would raise your hand really, really quickly. Good. So a lot of us. If you haven't flown, one of the things when you get on an airplane they're going to do pretty quickly once you get seated is they're going to go through a whole safety presentation to you. And one part of that presentation is going to be when that oxygen mask drops uh, from above your head. And when that thing drops, they give you some instructions. If you've flown before, tell me this. When you get that oxygen mask, are you supposed to put it on you first or are you supposed to put it on the person beside you first? Somebody tell me. You put it on yourself first. That's awfully selfish. Why would you do that? There's a reason that we do that. Because it's going to be very hard to help someone else when you are ox oxygen deprived. So we have to take care of ourselves before we're able to help them. Why do I share that illustration? Because that's exactly, I think, what Paul's saying. When we go into these situations that we're helping a brother or sister overcome a sin, we have to be prepared ourselves first. We have to make sure that we have heard from God, that he's leading this, that we have prayed about this. If there's verses that we need to know, that we know those things, we need to do that first before we approach them. Otherwise, the result can be detrimental. So what I want you to understand really, really simply today is when we're dealing with this whole idea of restoration and being part of an authentic community, we have to be prepared ourselves or it's not going to work out very well. So the very first thing, in being a part of an authentic community is one of those characteristics is restoration. A second one is compassion. So you can go ahead and fill that in in your outline there. Number two is compassion. And here's what God's Word says about that. Share each other's burdens 
and in this way obey the law of Christ. Share each other's burdens. You know, one of the things that happens in a home group is we focus on other people. And one of the ways that we focus on other people is by helping them carry the load that they're experiencing, that they're going through at that particular time. So what I want you to think about for a minute, let's just apply this to where we are. I don't know about you, but sometimes I carry too much. Maybe it's groceries from the car. Maybe I've chosen to pick up a piece of furniture that's too heavy. Maybe I've chosen to pick up too many boxes. But I can be pretty hard-headed about this stuff and think I am much stronger than I am. And if you're anything like me, once you lift it and you start moving, you realize, uh-oh, this weight is too much. I need help. And again, if you're anything like me, some of the greatest words you will hear is, can I help you? And when somebody reaches out and they begin to take some of that load off of you, man, what a relief. What a relief it is that some of that weight is taken from you. And then all of a sudden, that load becomes bearable to you. Well, here's the reality. We go through this thing called life, and life throws some pretty tough things at us. Many of those things that it throws at us we're not supposed to be carrying on our own, but we try to do that. Maybe it is a relationship you're in. Maybe you're sitting here today and you think, you know, I would love to have a relationship with my parents, but it's just not there, and you struggle with that, and that's really something that drains you. Or maybe there's a neighbor or a friend that y'all just aren't in a good place right now, and that is really, really sucking the life out of you. Maybe for some of you it's a job, and the thoughts of going to work tomorrow you're already dreading it today. You can't believe that in less than 24 hours you're going to be back in that place again doing something that you hate to do. Or I don't know, maybe for others of you it's something as, as simple as, um, let's see, as just your children. And right now you're doing the very best you can as a parent, but it just doesn't seem to be working and that's draining you. Wherever you are, you feel like this load is too much. I, I can't continue to take this load. And we continue to try to, to take it and try to do it on our own. One of the things that we say around here often is see a need, meet a need. And that's big for us, that as God lays a need on your heart and you see that need, you have a responsibility to respond to that. When your home group becomes aware of a need, you don't have to come to the church and ask our blessings and stuff be voted on and all that kind of... No, when your group sees a need, we beg you to go out and to meet that need because we have been called to help carry the load for other people. We have been, been told to come along and show compassion to them. And we, that's something we want you to be involved in. And here's the neat thing. When it comes to home group, we see this compassion played out over and over and over again can't tell you how many times I've heard someone share a testimony about a trial, a difficult time that they've gone through. And you know who walked with them through that? It's the people in that home group, the people that are invested in, the people that love them. Can't tell you the number of times when just a situation, a, a struggle, um, just they needed help with something, and who came to the rescue but the home group was there for them. Whether it's cutting the lawn, whether it's getting food prepared for something, what, I mean, the, the list goes on and on, but the home group ends up being there for that person as they're going through life and going through one of these times they need help. It could be prayer. It could be counseling one another through things. It could even be celebration. You know, home group is a great place to celebrate all that God's doing in your life. But the point is that's a place for compassion, and we need to understand that we need to share the burdens of other people. Now, I don't want you to miss one thing in these verses, because the Apostle Paul says to share each other's burdens. 
There may be some of you sitting out there right now that would say to me, Danny, you know what? I don't want to share my burdens. People have enough on them. They don't need to hear from me. And what I would say to you this morning is, you're wrong. We're a family. That home group is a family, and we need to share each other's burdens, and you can't come into it thinking, hey, I need to hang on to this thing. I need to deal with this thing my own, on my own. No, you don't. The reality is, I think God, for so many of you this morning, he's saying, stop carrying that burden on your own. Reach out to people that love you. Reach out to people that care for you. You don't have to do this by yourself. So we need to put aside our pride and do just that. Begin to reach out and share our burdens as well as other people carry theirs. Because again, the reality is we're all going to have things that come into our lives that we're not going to be able to carry on our own, and it's going to weight us down and tear us down if we try to do that. So first characteristic, restoration. Second is comparison, um, compassion rather. The third characteristic is humility. And listen to what verse 3 says. If you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. Listen to this. You are not that important. Wow. Aren't those encouraging words? Aren't you glad you came to church today to hear that? Okay? The reality of what he's saying is, listen, if you think you're too important to, to reach back and help somebody along, you're crazy. You're not that stinking important. Now, let's talk about that because I don't want to deflate your egos or anything today. You are important to God, and we'll talk about that in just a second. But the reality is sometimes we can think we're too important. What do you mean? Several, several questions I'll ask you. Have you ever felt like dealing with somebody is beneath you or you don't have time to do that? Think about that for a minute. Do you ever feel like that helping someone else, helping someone else that's in need is below you or you don't have time for it? Or how about this? Have you ever felt like you were just a little bit better than somebody else because of the money you make or because of the job that you have? Wow. Have you been guilty of doing that? Have you ever felt it below you to get into the messiness of somebody's life? And what I would tell you is Apostle Paul would say, if we answer yes to any of those, we're fooling ourselves because we're not that important. And I'll also go ahead and tell you this. You're sitting at a church that's for messy people. This isn't a typical church where you come in the door and you got to look right and you got to smile and you got to always say things are great and you got to put on this whole act. That's not who Cedar Creek is from the day it started. This is a place you can come and be real and things get messy and things get hard, but we walk with each other through it. We help each other get through this. We help each other get back on the path that God has for us. So Cedar Creek, you know, if you're coming in the door wanting to play the pretend game and do all that stuff, you're probably going to be pretty uncomfortable here because you're going to find out there's a messed up staff here, there's a messed up congregation here, and we're all doing this thing together. We're all trying to take that next step in getting back where Jesus wants us to be. You know, I think about the word humility, and I love the, the really official definition that humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Think about that for a minute. Humility really is when you and I just stop thinking so much about ourselves and our focus begins to be on other people. You know, one of the things that happens once we make Jesus the Lord of our life is we become servants. It's no longer about being these people who live up here on this pedestal. We become servants when we make Jesus Christ the Lord of our life. And, and what do I mean by a being someone that lives on a pedestal? If you think about a pedestal, we typically put things on a pedestal that we want people to notice and see. That's the whole purpose of it, is to draw people's attention there. Here's the thing. 
when you and I surrender to Jesus, it's no longer about us. It becomes about Jesus. Jesus is the one we're putting on that pedestal. Jesus is the one that we're pointing people to. We become servants. We become ones that are pointing people to him. I do want to make one clarification before I leave this verse, and that is a moment ago I told you, and this verse says that, um, that you're not that important. Well, let me tell you this. You are pretty important. Why do I tell you you're important? Because Jesus Christ died on a cross that you could have a relationship with God through him. So you are very, very important to God. What Paul is trying to tell us here is that you and I are instruments in God's hands to reach out, to serve, to meet the needs of other people. And the reality is when you and I stop doing that and we stop showing this humility, then all of a sudden what happens is we stop being able to be effective there. We stop, being able, we stop allowing God to use us. And the reality is a lot of times when that happens, God will pick somebody else. God will use somebody else to carry out his plan and his will. So we're, what the verses are telling us today is, yes, you are important to God, but you're not too important to be used by him. And he may use you to do anything, um, no matter how great, no matter how small you think it is. He may choose to use you to do that and to carry out his plan and his will. So let's go on to number four. Number four is self-discipline. Fourth characteristic of, of community is self-discipline. Verses four and five, God's word says this. Pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else, for we are each responsible for our own conduct. Let me ask you this this morning. What is one of the things that drives you most crazy about your work? For some of you, you would say it's your boss. Now, listen, I'm not talking about my boss, okay? So don't be thinking that, all right? He's sitting right here, all right? But, uh, so, but for some of you, that may be it. I actually love my boss, love working with my boss. But for you, that may be a challenge. That may be a difficulty. For some of you, it's the hours you work. And you're putting in way too many hours and you feel like you need to at the sacrifice, maybe of your family, of your health. And that's what you struggle with. Maybe for some of you, it's just what you're doing. You just absolutely despise what you're doing at work. Maybe for others of us this morning, it's people not pulling their weight. For me, that's a big one. Um, I want people to pull their weight. I want people to do their part, and I want them to do what they're supposed to be doing. And as I think about that in light of these, ver in light of these verses, you know, I think we, we should expect people to do that. We should expect people to carry their part and do their part of the job. And when that doesn't happen, unfortunately, usually anger, bitterness, sometimes even as far as hatred starts to happen when people aren't pulling their weight and people aren't doing what they're supposed to do. So what does Paul do? He gives us some pretty tough instructions right here that are oftentimes not easy to do. He tells us, don't focus on what other people are doing. Focus on what you're called to do. Think about that for a minute. Don't focus on them. Focus on what you have been called to do. Focus on your own work. And I know that's hard because for some of you, you just got a work ethic, and you get in there, and you do whatever it takes to get the job done. So when you see somebody slacking, that drives you bananas. Or maybe today, you're just a team player, and you're about sharing that load, and everybody taking their part, and everybody doing their piece of the puzzle. And by doing that, the job gets done, and hopefully gets done well. So you get upset when somebody's not pulling their weight. I don't know, maybe it's a pay issue for you. Maybe somebody that gets paid more than you, you don't feel like carries their weight and does their work. Maybe it's somebody that's paid the same thing as you, and you're just angry because, hey, we get paid the same thing. I'm busting it, they're not. 
Don't know why this is difficult for us, but the reality is this can be very, very difficult to focus on what we're supposed to do and not watch and look at them and what they're supposed to do. But the reality is we're responsible for our calling and what it is that God has said, this is what I want you to do. This is how I want you to spend your life. You know, Pastor Philip sometimes will talk about prairie dogging. And what he's saying by that is to work diligently what you do and don't be that prairie dog that pops its head up. One of the first things a prairie dog, dog does once it gets out of the hole, it starts looking left and right and looking at everything that's going on around them. No, focus on what you've been called to do. And Paul says to do that diligently, to work hard at that and stay focused on what you, what you are called to do. Because here's the reality. When you and I start comparing ourselves to what other people are doing, usually we get jealous and we get frustrated and we get angry. And I think Paul would say to us, hey, stop doing that. You do what you've been called to do and you do it well. And you do it with diligence and don't worry about what other people are doing. So when we live authentically personally and we live authentically within our home group, everybody's going to be doing their part. To practice self-discipline to me means things like be faithful to your commitments. When you tell somebody you're going to do something, do what it is you've told them that you're going to do. In our home groups, one of the things self-discipline means to me is this. I talk to a lot of very tired home group leaders. Now, I will tell you, some of them like to kind of hang on to things and like to do things themselves. And we're trying to work on that and handle that. But a lot of home group leaders are tired because of this. There's many tasks that need to be done. And it seems like very few people are stepping up and doing their part of what God has called them to do. And so one of the things within a home group is to help as you're needed. God, where do you want me? God, how am I supposed to plug into this home group? God, what am I supposed to be doing? What's my contribution? And when he tells you that, to be diligent and do your part and do your part with excellence every time. Another thing, um, be willing to step out of your comfort zone. As God calls you, and he's going to call you from time to time to step out of your comfort zone, and when he does that, be diligent at what he's called you to do. No matter how big, no matter how small it seems, be diligent to do exactly what God has called you to do as he asks you to step out of your comfort zone. And then one other thing, just be responsible as a home group member. Be responsible as a believer. And listen for God's voice, and when he directs you, do what he's called you to do. Do it with diligence, and honor him by doing that. So self-discipline is huge when it comes to community and a characteristic of community. Let's go to number five, and that's thankfulness or a generous spirit. Number five is thankfulness or a generous spirit. Verse six says this, those who are taught the word of God should provide for their teachers, sharing all good things with them. Now this one I'm just going to tell you. I'm going to cover this one kind of fast because this one's a little bit uncomfortable because this verse is talking about me, okay? And it's talking about the leaders here, your home group leaders. But here's the reality. Paul is telling us to take care of the people who share God's word with you. To take care of those people. Um, understanding, learning, growing, really getting in depth in God's word takes time. It takes effort. It takes a lot of work to do that. And so what the Apostle Paul is saying is take care of the people who are doing that and helping you understand God's Word, helping you go deeper in God's Word, helping you understand more what it means to, to be a believer, to take care of them. And one of the things I'm so grateful for, and some of you don't even realize the blessing it is for paid staff as well as for your home group leader, as well as people who are helping you understand God's Word, but just little notes, comments you make, 
Maybe some of you have chosen to do a gift certificate or something like that. This seems so small to you, but to us, that's a huge way of, of just us understanding that you appreciate the importance of God's Word, the importance of making sure that you understand it, of growing in that. That's a big deal. And so Paul just tells us, if you're going to be part of an authentic community, thankfulness and a generous spirit are part of that. Let's go on to number six, an unselfish spirit, verses seven and eight. He says this, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the spirit will harvest everlasting life from the spirit. One of the things that Paul's telling us, again, number six is an unselfish spirit. That's another characteristic of being part of community, an unselfish spirit. And what Paul is saying here is that you and I, we can't mock God. The reality is what we invest in on this earth matters, and sowing and reaping is part of that. Whatever it is that we sow, we're going to end up reaping. And, and the illustration he uses here is of our life. If you and I are all about ourselves and selfishness and our pleasure, and that's what we're sowing in all the time, we're going to reap decay and death, these verses tell us. But if you and I are intentional about pleasing God with our lives and doing the things he's called us to do and serving other people, then we're going to reap the benefit of life, he says. Eternal life, abundant life, hope and meaning and purpose. We inherit all that as we're following him and doing exactly what it is that he's called us to do. So a healthy believer and a healthy home group are going to have an unselfish attitude. They're going to be sowing into what pleases God, and they're going to be sowing into other people. And as they do that, they're going to reap the reward of that, and they're going to see the reward of that. A couple places where I see that, our school partnership. Many home groups right now are preparing up and gearing up to serve our teachers especially, but also to serve schools. And this is such a vital ministry. And I think about the fact that we're sowing in these schools and we're sowing in these teachers and we're sowing in these, in these students and, and we have to trust that we're going to reap. Maybe we'll see it, maybe we won't, but we're going to see the results of just being faithful to God and loving people and serving people. And that excites me to know that we're able to do that and to sow into these people good things and trust God to bring about his plan and his purpose. I think about our local and our global partners. Many, many home groups and many individuals serve, on a global, uh, serve in a global capacity or serve one of our local ministries. And how awesome is that, that you're giving your time, your home group's giving their effort to something like that, that again, we may see, may see the fruit of that, but the reality is we're sowing and we can claim God's promise that when we sow in things that please them, please him, that life is reaped. And we can know that God is working out and God is carrying out his plan in that situation. So an authentic community and an authentic life are simply shining forth the love of God and they're shining forth the whole idea of living selflessly, that this is about other people. It's not about me. So I want to ask you to do this. Examine your life Maybe even think about your home group for a minute and just see if an unselfish spirit is present. How would you know that? Think about this. What and who do you pray for? Think about, for many home groups, I know this is usually as you wrap down and things slow down for the night and you do your prayer time. Who and what are you praying for? Is it just your home group? Do you pray about things just for yourself? Or do you have much more of a global perspective? Because we have a God that cares about you tremendously, but he also cares about this entire world tremendously. Where do you serve? Are you personally serving anywhere? 
Where's your home group serving? Do you have a place that you're pouring into other people and that you're sowing in their lives? When was the last time that you or your group served somebody? When was the last time you got out of your comfort zone and out of your normal routine in order to serve somebody else? Where do you sow your life? Where do you sow your life? And is it making an eternal impact? Because the reality is we're part of community. It's, it's going to very much be, a, be we're going to very much have an unselfish spirit about us. Well, let me go to the last one this morning, and that is going to be perseverance and God's love. Perseverance and God's love. I'm going to look at verses 9 and 10 as we discuss this one. God's word says this, So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we're going to reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. So what Paul is doing right here is he's encouraging those of us who are serving and those of us who are part of a community of believers. And he's telling us, don't get tired. Don't get weary of doing good. Pursue that with everything you can. And here's the reality. He has to tell us that because doing good is not always easy. A lot of times doing good is difficult. Doing good in our own life is difficult. And doing good for other people is difficult because people can be difficult. People can be hard. Surprise, surprise. You know, on a personal level, I think about the times that, that maybe this happens to you like it does for me, but sometimes when I'm working and, and really being diligent about doing what God wants me to do and desires for me to do, spending time with Him, praying, serving other people, trying to be obedient to what He's called me to do, a lot of times it just seems like things start bomb, things seem to start bombarding me that try to pull me away from that and keep me from doing those things, and, and things that start making me try to question my faith. And what I think God would say is, don't get tired of doing good. Keep doing those things. I think about people maybe in a home group at times, um, that it's hard for them, and, and they get in there, and it's maybe not what they think, and so all of a sudden, people that we've invested in, they start trying to pull out for whatever reason. And we've been pouring and pouring into them, and they've been part of the group, but all of a sudden, something's happened, and they're starting to pull away. Or maybe uh, for some groups, it's somebody starts gossiping and they start talking about things they have no business talking about and it's bringing down the group. Or maybe it's something like just some bad decisions that somebody in that group is making. And what we're told to do in God's Word is don't give up. You keep doing what is good. You keep pursuing what is right. And in the end, it, God's Word tells us at just the right time, we're going to reap a harvest of blessing. So don't get weary of doing good. Don't get weary of doing what God has called you to do. I think about my own journey. From about 18 to probably 21 or 22 years old, um, I'm glad people followed these verses for me because I went through a time when going into high school, actually going into college, um, I was walking with the Lord. I was really close with the Lord. And then I got to college and didn't do anything really bad, but my relationship with God just didn't take a priority. So I did some stupid things along the way. And the reality is that I had a youth minister and I had parents and I had friends that continually pursued me, continually tried to help me realize, Danny, you've got to do what's good and you're not following that direction. And they tried to do what we opened the service with today, tried to get me back on path with where God wanted. And around 22 years old, the light finally went off and I started doing that. 
But I was just reminded I needed people to do this for me. And when you're part of a community, people need you to do this for them. And it's hard, and it can take a long time, but we've got to continually pursue that thing that's good and not get tired of going after that. Do not give up. Because here's the reality. Perseverance is pretty important to a believer. Why is it so important? Because perseverance shows who we trust. When the going gets rough, when things don't happen just like we think they should happen, it's so easy to give up. But when you and I persevere, and when you and I hang in there and we say, God, I don't understand anything that you're doing right now, but I'm going to keep my eyes on you and I'm going to stay faithful to what you've called me to do, that shows an incredible amount of trust in God, and God can work through that. So this morning, our perseverance is key because what it actually does is it shows our trust in God, it shows the fact that we know He loves us, and it shows the fact that He's called us, and we're going to stay the course all the way to the end. So this morning, as you think about characteristics of community, restoration, compassion, humility, self-discipline, thankfulness in a generous spirit, unselfish spirit, perseverance in God's love, are those present in your life? Are those present in your home group? You know, this morning I'm going to challenge you to do a couple things. One is, if you're not in a home group, get in a home group because you need that authentic community. And no, we're not perfect in home groups, and we struggle like everybody else, but that is a great place to do life and to connect with other people and connect with God. Can't think of a better place to do that. So if you're not in a home group, connect. Stop by your Welcome Center here at our campus. You can stop by the VIP area. We'll get a little information with you, and I'll follow up with you to get you connected. But it's important that you have that home group. Let me ask you to begin to pray about how you personally can live out the characteristics we've talked about. Again, this is a message for us personally, but it's also a message for us corporately. So personally, begin to pray about how you can live these out. Begin to pray for your home group, that your home group is living out these characteristics. And God's able to do all he wants to through your home group. And then the other thing is to evaluate yourself and your home group. Hey, how am I doing on these things? Am I practicing? Are these things part of my life? And if not, ask God to help you get there. Lay out that plan personally. Lay out that plan with your home group to begin to practice these things because they are vital to being a part of an authentic community. So this morning, I don't know where you are. My hope and my prayer is that you'll just listen to God's voice. You'll do what God has called you to do. And more than anything else, I ask you to take some time today and this week to spend in Galatians chapter 6 asking God, God, what is it you want me to learn? God, how is it you want me to grow? God, open up your word to me and help me understand exactly what you want me to do to take my next step in my faith journey. So this morning, we're going to wrap up Galatians 6. I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to worship together. And I just ask you to be obedient to whatever God calls you to do. So would you pray with me? Father, I want to come to you and thank you for our time, not only today, but over these last six weeks as we've explored some of the benefits of our faith. And God, we've looked at some amazing things, and today, how incredible is it to wrap up with community? And this morning, it's my passion, and it's my desire that every person that's sitting out in this congregation, that's sitting out at any of our campuses, that's watching on live stream today, that, Father, they understand your passion and your desire for them to be in an authentic community a group that they can be themselves, a group they can do life with, a group they can grow together closer with one another and closer with you. Father, I pray on each person's heart you would just put a passion for that kind of community. And if there's someone that needs to take that step today of obedience just to join a home group, give them the courage to do that. And I pray that our home groups, our leaders, would be people that are passionate 
about community and passionate about connecting with people and passionate about those next steps of faith and passionate about helping people walk through life. So my prayer is you would move in our lives personally, that you would move in our home groups, however you need to, to bring about your plan and your will and your purpose. But Father, I thank you today for your love for us. I thank you that you desire deeply to be in a relationship with us, and that comes through your son, Jesus Christ, and surrendering to him. And it's my hope and prayer today that whatever you've called us to do, we'll be courageous and bold enough to do that. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.